it's time. <laughs> Can you imagine that hearing that word from God, it's time, and understanding it to mean it's time to step away from a paycheck, step away from a pastoral assignment, and step out into the uncharted world and unknown world of entrepreneurship. Today, our guest, Freddie Russell, is going to talk about his journey and the lessons learned. Let's go. Welcome to the Monetize Your Ministry Podcast. And you get a chance to interact with them. To me, that's full-time ministry. And did I have to because tackle that Jesus is like it brings in itself and then it opens. I want to provide content and things that will help change lives. And I simultaneously want you to, to receive a blessing from that. Now here's your host, Kamon Hunt. All right, welcome back. Listen, this episode is one you want to share with someone. You want to let them know that this is live or if you're watching this on the replay, share this with someone because um, I think a lot of people, they have questions on how do I know when it's time? How do I understand God's leading in taking my ministry outside of traditional settings? And I believe this episode will answer some of those questions. All right, listen, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you're sharing it. And our guest today is Freddie Russell. He is the principal and founder of the True North Leadership Group. Freddie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, come on. Welcome uh, to you uh, into my office. So I'm glad to be here uh, today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Freddie, you look very dressed up today. This, is this how our principals and founders of uh, leadership groups, this is how they dress? Well, those who are trying to fake it to make it, yes, this is what we do. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to uh, look nice for you today and clean up, uh, but I see that you are dressed down I, on this Juneteenth day, I think it is. And, yes, sir, uh, yes, sir. Uh, but, um, um, my wife got this for me, and I decided to wear it today. Yes, sir, yes, sir. I, I just, well, listen, literally, I just got out the T-shirt before I put yeah. this on. Yeah. Trying to look decent for you. Come on. Yeah, you know, I, I saw... For, for my job that I do, one of the things I have to dress in polos and shirts and stuff, but one of the things I don't want them to ever ask me to do is to stand up, you know, because I'm usually wearing like pajamas or shorts and that kind of stuff. So at least, you, I know you look professional there, but I'm not going to ask you to stand. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to ask. So for those who may not know you, just to give them a little bit of background, uh, Freddie, tell people how long you served. And in some of the offices that you served in as a paid minister, let's kind of give our give our viewers, our listeners, just a little bit of background into your journey of serving as a church leader. Well, I, I served in vocational ministry uh, for about 37 years. I started at 21 uh, years old and uh, I served as a pastor for very small churches to very large churches, also served as a denominational executive. Uh, also led um, uh, professional conferences uh, for pastors. And so uh, it's been a pretty um, uh, eclectic uh, background, to say the least. And I've enjoyed uh, every every step of the journey uh, thus far. Yeah. Now, for those who don't know, Freddie has um, just been influential from his own work that he's done um, and the impact you've had on members but also the impact you had on fellow ministers and shaping them through the conferences that you led, through the work that you did at um, the different churches that you led, that other pastors came in, wow, we want to see what you're doing. And then as, a, as an, an administrator, 
how you led a particular area. And so, Freddie, as we talked about in, before we even came live, um, 2018 made a very big move, right, after you said 37 years, to step out and to to make this step. Um, you, you talked about, to, with, with me, those words, it's time. Give our viewers some background on what even helped you to know this was the right time to make a move after 37 years. That's a full career for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, I have been the training leaders uh, for most of my career, uh, mm -hmm. even as a church pastor. Uh, started uh, locally, uh, poured into the leaders of my local churches early on. Then I went regional, then I went national, then I went international. And, and even as a pastor, I was dipping in and out of opportunities. They were sporadic. Of, of training leaders um, in the corporate academic and healthcare context uh, as well. I always knew that eventually I would do this full time. I just didn't know when. And um, back in 2016, I was ministering in Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, and it was a Monday morning. And early that morning I was in worship. And in the midst of that worship, I heard God unmistakably uh, say to me, it's time. And I knew exactly uh, what he meant because it had been, it had been in the flow of my prayers um, uh, all alone. And so um, uh, it drove me to my knees. Uh, God took me to the word to confirm it that morning in Genesis 12. Uh, the remainder of that week, uh, I was able to speak to my uh, my father in ministry, uh, who was the uh, pastor, Jer uh, Bear Black, chaplain of the U.S. Senate. In fact, I went down to D.C. Uh, and just sat in his office. We processed this through. Uh, my wife uh, was uh, unflinching where she says, I believe this time. And I've been waiting for this. Uh, and, and, and at that moment that I knew that, that one of the things you got to have is a spouse who supports uh, God's vision for your life. And she was uh, unflinching uh, and unreserved excuse me, in her approach and her support. I uh, talked to my kids. Uh, my kids were young adults and uh, uh, they also affirmed it as well. Uh, but with Chaplain Black, I, I, I went to DC the Thursday of that same week, uh, went up to Capitol Hill. He picked me up at the train station uh, there at the bottom of Capitol Hill at a uh, Union Station. Um, this was August of 2016. There was a recess in Congress of uh, the House and the Senate uh, went into the inner sanctums of his office, which I always enjoy because we have some of our most in-depth conversations back there. And I explained to him uh, this journey. He then shared with me his journey, which was the same. His was leaving the frontline church as pastor to become a chaplain, which he had no encouragement. There, were, there was no one in the bleachers that was cheering him on. In fact, mm -hmm. uh, those who he looked for support um, and uh, his the, his older colleagues uh, were really uh, discouraging him not to do that. And he said to me, Freddie, if I did not make that move when God told me to do it, um, we would have never had a black person who was the chief of naval chaplains. Neither we have now the longest serving uh, chaplain in the history of the U.S. Senate who happens to be black. He says, look at what God has done. And he says, if you're waiting for validation uh, from the bleachers, it's not going to come. You got to follow 
uh, what God told you to do and to allow God uh, to order your steps. Well, that was good for me, but my faith was fragile uh, because it's difficult to walk away from a paycheck, uh, especially you got kids, uh, you got a, a family, uh, you got a mortgage. <laughs> and um, I, I didn't know where any of that was going to go. Uh, and yet the Lord said, do it. But for two years, I sat on it uh, to the point, come on, where God got very silent with me. He was no longer bringing it up to me. Uh, and then early one morning uh, in March of 2018, I was in worship in this same room right here. And um, the Lord said to me very clearly, Freddie Russell, you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. And within two days, I went and I began to execute the transition out of uh, full-time um, um, by vocation, vocational ministry into what I'm doing uh, right now. And uh, I've never looked back. I've never second-guessed it. And uh, I have to say, I've enjoyed every step of the journey uh, thus far. I love it. So, Freddie, <laughs> you know, as you said that, you, I, I love the, the, the key words that you're using, vocational ministry, right? Because as I listen to you and as we've talked, it's clear to me that you haven't left ministry. But it may not be clear to others. So what would be your response to someone? And you can also like put in your definition of ministry here if you'd like. Someone says to you, well, Freddie, you left ministry 2018. What would be your response to them? Uh, I will say um, all, all I've done is transition to a different ministry uh, because your whole life is defined by serving the kingdom, by serving God. And uh, whatever you're doing, uh, it is ministry. This is taking me away from the day-to-day -day pastoral ministry. And now I serve and I minister to leaders in various contexts around the world. So the ministry has not pulled back. It is actually expanded into another whole uh, context and context uh, that I never thought I would be. Yeah. So the so ministry good. continues. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, anyone who knows anything about you knows that your life is about ministry. It's about serving others. I mean, when I call you on the phone or others call you and you are talking to us, that's ministry, right? That is that is you serving um, serving others for God. And I think for people who are watching this, your life is ministry and you may change roles and where you get your paycheck from. But who you are, what God has called you to do, that the core of that stays the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It does not shift uh, because when you are born again, when you receive Christ as Savior, there is a call over your life. Uh, it, it's not always, and the call is not restricted to being a pastor. The, the call is is universal over your life, that wherever God calls you to serve, that's the place you're serving God from at that moment. Yeah, yeah that's good. So, Freddie, let's talk through leadership because you talked about this this um, work that you're doing with leadership now, I want to get into that, but I want to take us back. You said in every assignment that you had, you were training leaders, training leaders in your local congregation, then regionally, then nationally, then internationally. What made you first aware that God had given you a special gifting and calling to serve leaders? That was almost an emoting process uh, for me. What I mean by that, 
uh, is that uh, when I was a very, very young pastor, as I told you, I started probably too young in pastoring. 21, right? 21 years old, four years uh, out of high school. In fact, my first youth group in my first church were really my peers. Uh, they were only three <laughs> years before, behind me. Um, and so so I've grown up with my members, literally. Yeah. Um, uh, so um, um, about the third or fourth year in ministry, I had a chance to be exposed to a, a guy named John Maxwell, who at that point was evolving into the guru of leadership in this country. Um, and he was hitting on all cylinders. And I had a chance to go sit with several thousand other uh, pastors um, in a um, huge auditorium. And he was on stage uh, training leaders. And and the bug bit me right then and there. I, I, was, I tested positive uh, right there <laughs> where I said, I want to do this. Uh, Lord, this is what I want to do. And uh, I didn't know where to start at. And so where I started uh, in, is that that same year, I took my leadership team on a retreat, a weekend retreat. Uh, we left on uh, Saturday morning. Uh, we drove out to the retreat site. We did all day Saturday, Saturday night, stayed Saturday night and broke camp about uh, midday on that Sunday. I pulled from every source I could pull from, putting it together. Uh, I'm sure I plagiarized everybody's stuff. Uh, I, I plagiarized Jesus' name, how about that? Um, I, uh, I just pulled from everything. And I just began to pour into those leaders. And, and, and there was a strange calmness that I had found my sweet spot uh, during that weekend. And the affirmations after that um, uh, really validated what had happened. The next year I did the same thing. Uh, and then a leader, major national leader, heard me and he opened the door for me to do some things regional and then opened the door for me to do some things national. Uh, we always have a, I think all of us have patron saints uh, who open uh, doors for you that you can never open. They see something in you. This guy saw something in me, he's dead now. Uh, and he opened the door and when he opened that door, especially on the national stage, I never looked back because opportunity after opportunity came. Uh, I began to have a chance to travel literally the world uh, for our particular faith community. Um, and I have taught leadership on every continent in the world, except one, and that is Antarctica. And I do plan to teach the penguins someday. I know they need leadership. <laughs> uh, there you go. Somebody uh, got to so get them in line, Freddie. Somebody, somebody got to get them in line. line. That little black and white sameness they had, not yeah. enough. Uh, but um, uh, I got a chance to uh, dip into every culture, uh, training leaders. Um, 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 I um, And I was not training uh, frontline leaders. I was training major corporate, church corporate leaders uh, around the world. And um, that just took me to a different level because then when I was pastoring in Baltimore, I had my first opportunities to step beyond the church as a pastor. And I began to teach in the Johns Hopkins University Leadership Development Program for both the medical center and the university. And I looked up and I got top-notch folk sitting in my class and I can't believe it, uh, that I'm sitting in that moment. But all that served as was another installment of the validation of God that he was ordering my steps. I didn't know where it was all going. I just knew 
that what I was doing eventually, I would do it full time. And I prayed about it, prayed about it, didn't know the opening, did not know uh, how God would do that. But you know, if God be for you, then game yeah. over. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he will choose uh, the timing strategically on opening the doors that he wants to open. And in fact, he did that. And um, um, I am um, just profoundly grateful uh, for the path that God has set my life on. Yeah. Freddie, well, that John Hopkins, I'm glad you mentioned that. Because I was going to ask you, what was the first opportunity outside of the church world, right? Mm -hmm. How did you get it? And then how did you feel? Because for a lot of us, we may feel... I don't have the qualifications. Who am I to be in this room, right? So how did you get that opportunity? And how? just kind of talk us through your mindset going into that opportunity and processing that. Well, um, ironically, one of my members was the admin assistant uh, <coughs> in that program. And she recommended me over to them because uh, she had heard me do some things as well. I went and sat with them, outlined uh, what I could do for them. And for for only reasons that God would know, they took a favor to me, trusted me. I came off halfway credible, I think. And um, they set up my first classes uh, that I would, uh, would teach. I was as nervous as I could be because this was my first time stepping beyond the border uh, to minister and to serve and to train leaders in venues and context uh, that was beyond my funded streams. And when I looked around the room and saw the caliber of people sitting in that room, I knew that I was at a place that only God could pull off. And if he got me there, then he was making himself responsible for making me successful while I was there, that I was not going to fall flat on my face. It did mean that I had to, uh, um, to up my game in terms of my preparation. I think my friend and our friend, um, uh, uh, Pierre, um, mm -hmm. uh, uses a term that I've now adopted. I was doing it, but now he gave the language to it. And, and that is called relentless preparation. And um, at that point, I just began to do relentless preparation because I knew that I was, uh, I was far outside of my comfort zone. Uh, but yet, when God gets you there, he makes sure uncomfortable zone, your comfort zone uh, in times, uh, in time. But what he also does, he does in such a way where you are fully dependent upon him. He's not going to let you get out there, get crazy, get arrogant, think it was you uh, because he would take you down in a moment. But I just leaned into God and I would get there early and just pray over the room. I was dealing with technology I had not dealt with uh, before and I would just saturate the place with prayer. And by the time the folks start coming in, I knew that God had the room and I was going to be okay. Wow. Fred, it's so interesting you said that, man. You just, like, if it, for anyone you're listening to the Monetize Your Ministry podcast, you might have a question, man, do you lose your heart for ministry? You're out there in the marketplace listening to you, man. You, you are praying in rooms before people get in there. You are depending on God. I almost feel like for, for a lot of us, our prayer life, our spirituality, our faith is even taken to a deeper level when we are out there in the marketplace and doing the things that God has called us to do. 
it's it's not a lessening of faith. It's a deepening of faith. It's something I want to just point out. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because you are 100% dependent upon God. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't pull it off. And you know, unless God is is leading on this, you are for certain are going to crash and burn out there. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. you are doing a high-wire act without yeah. a trampoline, a safety net. That's right. You yeah. Because you are brand new at this. Uh, yeah. You don't have enough hits at the back in order to yeah. recognize all the pitches. Uh, so it's got to be God uh, yeah. that has to up your game, even even take your game to a different level. While sometimes, I've been in rooms sometimes, and the Lord is working so powerful out of my inexperience that I literally have felt at times that I'm having an out-of-the-body experience, that I'm watching God speak to me and talk to me, and I'm saying, who is this guy? Yeah. And that's what I know. I said, God, you got the room. You got yeah. this. And yeah. I just yeah. went over the ride on some days yeah. because it was nowhere in the world. What I was what was coming through my lips was mine. It was it yeah. was all God, man. Yeah. Now, again, we speak this podcast, we talk to people who are um, paid pastors, others in ministry, and you're serving. There's a lesson you said here that I want to pull out. You talked about the person who connected you at first with John Hopkins was one of your members. Um, sometimes we don't know when we're serving, we're just serving and helping one who is there that is recognizing that ministry. Not that you, and I want to make sure I'm clear, you don't do one thing to get to the other thing. That's, that's, that's self-serving. But as you're serving, you're doing the best you can where you are with who is, who God has called you to serve. And you never know who God is going to use to open the door to some opportunity that will really be a blessing to your life. And, and I just think, Freddie, as you share this, it just it just underscores for me, for anyone, wherever God has put you, on your job, if you're working a nine to five in um, whatever space, or if you're pastoring and leading a congregation, serve well there, because that's a many times, the person you're serving in that opportunity is who God is going to use maybe to open another door for you. I don't know if you want to share anything on that, Freddie. Yeah, I and I think you have um, uh, you have expressed it well. God blesses in the God blesses in the flow of what you're doing. Uh, it's not you don't always are deliberately trying to get a hookup. Uh, mm -hmm. God is the one who initiates the hookups. It, it's it's Him, and I have never seen God do it while I'm seeking for it. It's when I'm least expected, I'm just doing the best I can, as you mentioned, come on in your language, well, what you got, and giving it all you got. And I think it's when you are giving it all you got, then God says, I can trust you to bless you on the next level there. But if you are just uh, taking a hiatus, and all you're doing is looking for the next the next thing, God says, I make you wait forever on that one, because I need you to be at work. Uh, when God called Elijah, uh, Elijah, he was at work plowing the field. Um, uh, when he got uh, his disciples, all of them were at their day job. That's uh, right. He That's right. in the midst of life. Um, and you're praying for some things. You're open for the purposes of God uh, to be demonstrated in your life uh, and affected uh, in your life. But it's why you're doing the garden variety things of excellence that God steps in and say, okay, here's what's next right here. Yeah, yeah. So good. So, Freddie, somebody who may know you from um, 
experience in your ministry, one of your members, as a um, and someone who you ser- who served under your leadership, uh, experience your leadership in the church sense, might be asking the question, "What is Freddie Russell doing right now?" Right, Freddie, what you doing? Like, when you tell tell us what you're doing now, and we'll kind of talk through how you've been building the True North Leadership Group. So, just tell us what are you doing now, Freddie? Well, I'm one of those guys in the corner who work for food. I'm that guy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm on the other corner, Freddie. I'm on the oh, other, other corner. corner <laughs> hey, long as we got our corners, man. You know. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But um, I'm on a very uh, amazing God journey right now. Uh, I train leaders in corporate, academic, healthcare, government, and church context, mm-hmm. and uh, our company does several things. And all of these things we're actively doing. Uh, we do leadership design and development. We build high performance cohesive teams. We do change management. We do internal corporate conflict communication, strategy facilitation, and diversity management. And um, our company is expanding uh, offerings all the time. But those are the broad categories uh, that we train uh, with them. We tend to do bespoke or tailor-made content uh, because uh, when you work in the environments that we work on, um, then you cannot do a one size fits all because the con- the context will drive how you're gonna approach what you do, which means that I um, have to stay fresh at all times. Um, I'm constantly reading, uh, constantly checking out what's next uh, in the industry, uh, constantly discussing and talking with people, uh, leaders in terms of their mindsets, um, where they think things are going, hearing their hearts on things. And so I own a company, as you know, uh, called the True North Leadership Group. And it's a growing company. Uh, we are a global company. Uh, I literally travel the world, literally uh, travel the world of what I do. Uh, we have a growing company, uh, more and more trainers who are coming on. Um, and uh, we uh, are stepping heavily uh, right now into the government space, the federal government space. And uh, the Lord is beginning to open some major doors um, in the corporate space the same identical things. So we are we are developing leaders who don't just change the company, but they're prepared to change the world. And that's mm. the that's the driver for us uh, with all of this. Yeah. Now, I'm, um, I'm going to ask a question, but I want to just point out to our viewers, those who are watching this, all those books you see behind Freddie, he read all of them. I'm just going to tell you, he read all of those books. Well, uh, I, Fred. I have. <laughs> yeah, no, because, no, I mean, because you mentioned this, right? Like, I heard um, someone say people pay us for the gap, right? The gap between what they know and what we know. And if, and as you're training and as you're teaching, think about this is what you were doing as a church pastor. You're studying, and you're coming and teaching. It's the same principle. You're studying, you're reading, you're learning, and you're always sh- you're sharing from that knowledge. And so as we talk about monetizing your ministry, anyone who's moving into this space, you have to be a learner. You have to be constantly on the cutting edge of what people need in whatever space, whatever, if it's leadership, if you're in personal development, whatever it is, you can always be learning. And I think that's where it's important to have a niche so that you know this is my area that I'm studying and I'm, I'm learning and I'm developing the most in Absolutely. Um, it's, 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 it's a requirement to be a very agile leader. And uh, not only must you build and grow agile leaders, you must be agile. And agile means that you are, you have the ability to learn, unlearn, and relearn quickly as the situation dictates. And if you cannot be agile today, 
uh, it is not going to work for you. Uh, things I started out with five years ago in terms of content, I look at it now and say, what was I thinking? Because it's no longer relevant. Uh, it's no longer apropos because things are changing at such a rapid pace, albeit when it comes to leadership development, there are some core things uh, that will always uh, stay firmly in place. But how you express it, how you talk about it, uh, the subject matter uh, is constantly uh, proving the need to be adaptable uh, and, and to go where people are uh, in terms of yeah. what you're talking about uh, at that point. Yeah. yeah. So, Freddie, you mentioned uh, healthcare, um, corporate, government, and the religious space. Those are four spaces. I may, be, I, may have, I may have missed another space. That's academics. Academic. Okay. That's the, you know, a lot of people will tell us niche down, pick. Now, of course, you picked an area, leadership, but pick one group, right? You might have heard me even say that. But what a, there has to be something in common. What's what's in common between the spaces and the areas that you operate in, um, that to True North Group Leadership Group? What, what what is the common thread, and is there any common thread to what you were doing before? Let me say it in uh, three things. From the broad is that in each of those contexts, we deal with leaders, okay. uh, and even though there are some contextual things, mm -hmm. leadership is leadership is leadership. Uh, and so there will be a lot that will be cross-pollinated uh, into each of those sectors. That's number one. Um, number, number, number two is that the, the, the common driver of what I do that flows through everything uh, is this thing of character-based leadership. Um, now, that I will talk about it in various ways. Um, uh, but even as I talk about uh, content in a broader way, I'm going to flow that through there, uh, uh, through what I'm talking about, because the great weakness in leadership today uh, is is the absence of integrity in so many leaders. They are, um, it's what uh, David Brooks, who is a columnist in New York, Turn, uh, New York Times, in his book called Character, his, his basic bottom line is that character matters. When it comes to leadership, that is even more of the case. Because if you jack up in your character, then you're not only going to hurt yourself, you're going to hurt the organization as well. And we see that so graphically in the broad political front across the world, where you have leaders who who have zero character, and they are jacking up of their countries. And um, uh, and it's happening in corporate academic healthcare and church uh, as well. So that flows to what I'm talking about. Because I'm often in non-church settings overwhelmingly. <clears throat> I'm using language that is not the language of the church, but I'm dropping the values of the scripture all the way through because I'm a, I'm a believer. Uh, they just don't know where I got it from, but I'm dropping the values of the scripture. And that's why you have to learn what English and language to be able to say it in a way uh, mm -hmm. that it moves the room, uh, but yet it's not overtly um, demonstrating biblical or trying to get the impression they didn't want to be trying to proselytize uh, in any way. So that character runs right through. And and the third thing uh, with all of that is that I'm just a passionate guy for leaders. I want to see leaders grow. I don't care where you are. Now, when I'm in a room full of leaders, all my endorphins grow off or go off. Everything about me kicks in when I'm in a room 
full of leaders. There is no better place to be at in life than a room full of people who are leaders and they think like leaders and they are leaders. Uh, so there is some reciprocity I receive from that process just by hanging out with leaders. Now you can hear this, the passion that you have, Freddie, for leadership. It's a God-given passion. It's, it's one where wake you up in the middle of the night or for a lot of us, what's in the middle of the night for you is is because, you know, you wake up at like, what, oh, dark 30. Um, but you wake you up in the middle of the night. You're ready to talk about this. And I think the reason I bring that up is for many of us, right, we talk about ministry. So I'm going to talk to someone who is a paid professional pastor. Yes, there are, there's, there's a lot of stuff you have to do. But there's something that you're as passionate about, some area that you're as passionate about as the passion that you're hearing from Freddie. And I just believe that one of the things that God is calling more of us to do is to take that thing and move it out into the spaces that people aren't hearing those messages. They aren't hearing those messages. And it's contextualizing it, yes, but it's also understanding that the reason you have that passion is because God wants you to fill a need in this world. Well, absolutely. Um, I, um, and I just second that as you uh, speak to the broader audience here, is that what drives you, or, or, or how does um, Colin Paul, Paul put it, um, is passion is a force multiplier. Uh, mm -hmm. It really is. And um, uh, you can't come at life unless you are driven by an internal uh, passion. And passion is not excitement. Passion is not uh, trying to geek yourself up. Passion is that deep internal driver that propels you forward uh, to do what you do and what you like and what you love. And uh, once you uh, have focused and zoned in on what you love, uh, um, nothing distracts you. Uh, yeah. You are you're single-minded, or as Paul says, this one thing I do. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. Uh, you just, it becomes a funnel. You funnel into uh, where uh, God is going to say, hey, this is you right here. This is yeah. this is why you were called to the earth right here. That's that's good. Now, Freddie, you're you're passionate about leadership, but you're a business person. You're a business person as well, because I listen to you talk. You're using the words "we" now, right? Like this ain't just Freddie over here doing something. You're building something, yep. and so um, maybe there's somebody who is building some business, and and this may be part time. This may be full time. Someone thinking about a business. I want to ask you this. Um, the True North Group, you've been doing this full-time for about five years, but you were doing it before that. What are some of the lessons that you would say, I wish I could tell Freddie Russell this five years ago, some business lessons you've learned in the process of building, monetizing, growing this business? Sometimes in building a business, it's not always... Um straightforward. There is no fundamental step-by-step-by-step. -step -step. There's almost an opaqueness uh, to it as well. It's not always clear uh, what you should be doing. Um, so if I can go back and speak to the Freddie Russell uh, five years ago, and I think that's the question uh, that you're asking me, um, I would have a lot more conversations uh, on how to market the business. Um, um, I will have a lot more uh, conversations on how to develop what your price points 
are going to be. Uh, because I'm coming from, I was coming from a world of honorariums. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a different world of honorariums. <laughs> and uh, this, you know, and um, you, you discover about two hours into it that you can't live on an honorarium. Uh, mm -hmm. It's got to be a bit more. But I was uncomfortable uh, in knowing how to set a price point and how to not to undervalue myself hmm. and not to overvalue myself either. I didn't know how to establish that. And so I did a lot of fits and starts. Um, I blew a lot of early things because I didn't know how to talk about the money part uh, with this. I would have a coach or someone, uh, a come on, uh, who only discovered later, we had some conversations, uh, how to do that uh, because that was not part of my wheelhouse uh, of doing that. I go in and the church said, we give you uh, $150, you know, to do this. Uh, uh, or they give me five, 700. And I think I hit the lotto uh, at that uh, at that point. Uh, and yet the business I was in, um, um, it's thousands of dollars per day. Yeah. yeah. And I was not prepared to ask that, even though I was worth it with what I was bringing. So I would need some help there. And knowing I said that early, <clears throat> which I did not know, I think um, if I go back to the uh, uh, the, the, the Freddie Russell, uh, I would um, I would even be deeper on my knees at that mm -hmm. point, of making mm -hmm. sure that 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 I'm asking what what Solomon asked for. God, give me wisdom, um, because when when the anointing gets on you, God gives you wisdom beyond knowledge. He gives you skill beyond your abilities and he does some supernatural stuff and i now try to stay in the realm and i don't want to sound mystic here um but i stay in the realm of the supernatural because i believe that god can do anything and i believe that there are no limits that god places on me um uh, i think mark Batterson in his book all in says that our biggest problem is our small view of god yeah. that there's no limit to God's power. And I was stepping into this and I was disbelieving what God could pull off. Yeah. And um, it's only when I began to kick in uh, that I knew how to ask for what I needed. I knew how to frame it. I knew how to, uh, to, to come at it as opposed to naming the figure right off. I learned uh, to ask um, when folks said, what do you charge for this? My first question was, what is your budget? To allow them to to tell me what the budget were. Sometimes they'll say, "Well, we don't have a budget. What is your <clears throat> what is your rates?" I says, "Well, I prefer to work off of some uh, framing where you are first, uh, because sometimes what they want to offer was larger than what you're going to put out there. And because I'm coming from an honorarium community, uh, I had to I had to learn that. Uh, and, and if they insist, uh, then I do have a daily rate." Uh, mm -hmm. that I charge and and uh, I've not had uh, I've had them negotiated a couple of times the most times folks take my daily rate uh, and go with it uh, yeah. now just a, a corporate client I just closed on last week uh, they wanted to negotiate um, and I just explained to them that the rate I'm giving you and I'm able to talk about this now I was not this articulate five years ago uh, is that I'm not you're not just paying for the the service of that day or two. You're paying for all of the preparation, all of the time investment that has gone into this. Uh, 
And I just begin to list uh, the things in the contract uh, that this is what goes to this price uh, right here, uh, which begins to settle folk down uh, at that uh, at that point. Because you're dealing with business, they're gonna always want to negotiate you down. Um, yeah. uh, but but again, I'm finding more and more businesses. If you bring value to the table, they're gonna take it. I had a corporate client on the West Coast, and um, and they um, get down to the price point. I'm online with them with their CEO of a major massive company, and um, she says, "What is your price point with this?" I says, "What is your budget?" She says, "We don't have a budget for this. What is your price point?" And I named it. She says, okay. And we, and, and we got the phone. I said, uh, man, I settled too low. You know, on, on that, I should have been a, a lot higher uh, for yeah. that. Um, uh, but the fact is, I was comfortable uh, in that the process uh, worked. Um, and I was so uh, grateful to the Lord. Now, my price points are pretty significant now um, yeah. where they are. And But I have learned what I didn't know five years ago. Is the final one. Uh, is that when you get a fish on the hook, and I say that uh, not pejoratively, but mm -hmm. metaphorically, you don't want to lose that fish. And sometimes it's better to negotiate down if you have to, because if you do well, they call you back. As That's I'm right. doing with the company now, you come back at your regular price point. The yeah. thing is, I'm going to be as pliable as I can. And as one person said, we like how you came at this. You are a partner with us in trying to get to a, a price point. I'm learning yeah. to be as flexible as I can because I'm not only one business for this moment. I want it long term as well. Yeah. You know, Freddie, uh, Fred, for those yeah. watching this, Freddie is giving you a master class on how to monetize your ministry to organizations, right? For some of the guests that I've had on here before, they've talked about coaching and individuals. You're getting paid by um, consumers, right? Business to, to consumers, B2C. Freddie's doing business to business. And it's very important to learn how to have that money conversation. You know, um, you mentioned the honorarium culture, Freddie. The, the joke that I make is sometimes I'll show up somewhere and I'll speak somewhere and they'll give you the, the, the envelope. You stick it in your, your jacket or you stick it in your, your Bible or whatever. You get out to your car and you rip that thing open and that's the big reveal. That's when you know what is it that you but, – but it's important to have the money, money conversation but to have it in, in, in a conversation, right? It's part of how am I serving you? What are your needs? You're uncovering the problem. And you said right, that question that Freddie shared with us. That's that. Write that down. What's your budget? Uh, that's even if they don't. It's good to start with that. What's your budget? Um, and, and you even told us how to press that a little bit because I think for a lot of us we devalue uh, what we bring to the table. We we think about having money conversations as something wrong or evil. There's some baggage we have to to shed. But if you're going to operate in a business-to-business -business context with monetizing your ministry, you have to work on this. And this is something you can work on and develop. So I just wanted to just make sure I capture that essence there, Freddie. I don't know if there's anything you want to add on that. Uh, no, no, you, you've said it well. And uh, in the recapitulation and adding, you said it well. Yeah. All right, Freddie, two more things right. I want to get you out on. Ministry, people people may say to, to you now, Freddie, are, are you seeing ministry happen? Are you seeing lives change? Like, 
what what is what is giving you that fulfillment now of serving others even as you're in these spaces talk to us about any ways that you you're seeing ministry happening yeah one of the things i miss that i do um in that in that menu i laid out uh is that i do executive coaching uh in fact i'm on the faculty for the college of executive coaching which is the top uh, coaching preparation school in the country it really is uh and um uh, you have to have a graduate degree to get into the program for college executive coaching. So you have about two thirds of my classes are um, uh, are doctoral people, uh, uh, level people, and those who are transitioning or adding on to what they're doing. So um, I've had to establish a, a, a new metric about which I define the impact of the ministry. When I was pastoring, uh, baptisms was a way of uh, determining the power and the impact of the ministry, uh, people coming to the Lord. You know, all of those things were, were metrics. I don't see baptisms in what I do um, uh, now. My metric now is that the lights go on in the leader's head and they have an aha moment in the mm-hmm. moment that's in the time they're spending with me, where someone will come up at the end of the day and say to me, I don't know what it is about what you're you're talking about today is stuff I may have heard before, but there's something distinctly different. And uh, I'm able to say, um, well, one of the things that I have learned as a leader, I don't know where you're, where you are with spiritual things or faith things, but I have a connection with God. And um, I believe that uh, the Lord is working in my life. And the person would say, I could see there was something different uh, about you at that moment uh, where a person as a in a coaching session uh, will have hit a dilemma sometimes, and I have um, I have taken a risk, and I've said, um, "Do you pray?" And they will say, I-, "I do. I don't do a lot of it." I said, "In this matter that you're negotiating and navigating right now, would you mind if I pray over you right now?" And they say, "I don't. I don't mind." I says because. There are some things you have to go to God on, someone who's greater than you. And it's when you lean into the one who's greater than you, he does things for you that you you can never pull off on yourself and on your own. And it's in those moments where you feel the inbreaking of the Holy Spirit. I'm almost in tears at this point when that is happening, and I can't show it, but I'm just saying, God, thank you, what you're doing in this moment. Um, and I find in some cases I'm doing a deeper level of ministry than I've done before because it's more one-off, it's more personal. I'm I'm taking the time to pour into a person, whereas I was communicating before just up front and had Bible workers would do the, and the members would do the uh, the one-off stuff. But God is, um, allowing me to do it in a whole different way. And, and I don't want to, I don't believe in grandiosity thinking. So what I'm about to say it is absolute truth. I believe that God one day is going to allow me to speak to some of the highest people in this world, initially about leadership, but it will be opening the door to go deeper. Because remember, I'm 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 serving God out there. I'm I'm only I'm out there to build the kingdom, but God is using this prop in order to get into the door, in order to be able to do it. Um, I, I, I led in the church. Now I lead on Mars Hill. <laughs> That's where I am now. 
I'm in the place where there are multiple belief systems. Uh, there is a syncretism uh, out there, a mixture, an eclectic mixture of things. And so what Paul did with that is that Paul could not come with the regular amazing facts as he was doing in every other city. He knew he was now. In fact, I was just in Athens on Mars Hill two weeks ago, literally, standing on Mars Hill and uh, overlooking Athens. And I'm thinking, what is Paul thinking at this point in this rocky outcrop here where the Arab Pegasus is there? And Paul, on the spot, knew that he had to come totally different. He had to speak the language of the, Mar of the people on Mars Hill. He had to speak their language, not the language of the church, because everywhere else he went, there was a small fledgling church. He could start with his base. But in Athens, man, it was a corrupt city. Um, it was an un it was a godly, ungodly place because there were gods everywhere. When he walked in there, he was just one more guy pushing his God. He's just one more guy. And the question was, how do you break through? And that's my prayer every day is God helping to break through. On this Wednesday, I'll be with the, the legal team of a major corporation in San Francisco. I already know that I'm getting that early that morning. I'm going to pray over the room. I'm going to ask God to get someone saved in that room that day. And I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if the spark is going to do it. But I know by the end of that day that God would have worked. Those are my metrics now. I love it. Freddie, Freddie, Freddie. Man, I knew this was going to be a powerful conversation. It's gone beyond what I even expected. There is some, this was for me, first of all, but this is for also someone else. There's something God is telling you to do, and you're wondering, how am I going to work navigate this? How is God going to use me in a different space than the space that I'm accustomed to God using me? And you're showing us, listen, God has work for you, um, and God is going to use you, and God's going to even redefine what success is in that new space for you as you follow his leading. And I just want to just thank you, Freddie, for being obedient. Yeah, thank you for the affirmation. Yeah. Freddie, tell us how we can get in touch with you, follow the work you're doing. And maybe someone in here is, you know, you're looking for a leadership um, coach or someone to come in and work with your team. Freddie, tell us how we can uh, get in contact with you. Well, my, my website and all of the information is there. Website is thenorthgroup.org. And come on, has it right there on the screen. Or you can uh, email me at Russell at the North Group .org. Russell, there's two S's, two L's, at the North Group .org, uh, is where I'm mostly directly to be contacted. Uh, and one of those sources, I'll just make a uh, hit me up and uh, let's talk if we need to. Let's go. Freddie, love it. Those of you on here, listen, you got something. God has given you a ministry, and that ministry, um, someone needs it. And some ones need it, right? And as, as you follow God's leading, he's going to connect you to the right people. That's right. I'll take care. That's right. Thank you for listening to the Monetize Your Ministry podcast with Kamon Hines. For more information, visit our website at www.monetizeyourministrypodcast.com. That's www.monetizeyourministrypodcast.com. Find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please share this episode with someone who needs it. 
Let's increase our income and impact.